This is a Props.com production. The Bostonian is Matt Perrault. This is our f- city. The book is Dave Sherapan. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Together, they are the Bostonian versus the book. You covered! You covered! Twitter. I covered! Follow the show on Twitter at Boston versus the book. How do you like them, Matt? Bringing you the best insight on sports betting news, Matt and Dave's daily picks, and an entertaining and unfiltered dive into the sports betting industry. Here's Dave Sherapan and Matt Peralt. And here we go. We are off and running on a Thursday. What's up, boys and girls? Welcome into the Bostonian versus the book of props.com podcast video on YouTube live every single day, weekday, one, two, two, two thirty ish, depending on how long Dave and I want to blabber here for a show on Thursday. He is Dave Sherapin. I am Matt Peralt at Boston versus the book is the Twitter account. Dave, I've got a million things to talk about with you today, but first and foremost, how are you? Good morning, sir. I'm good. I'm wired. I've been up since before the sun came up. A lot of running around, a lot of moving parts over here in the Hamptons. Had to get uh, Mrs. Kinsig, Jessica to work and leave a car for the kids and all these other things. So I had to get away, do a quick pre-show video from the field, huh? You're at the field video from the field early this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 ready to go. I mean, it's. It's divisional weekend, man. It's just big yeah. games. Sorry, yeah. real, real. Before we get to football, before we get to a rant that I need to get off my chest oh, a little my bit. Goodness, really? Already? Well, yeah, it's it's not bad. It's it's something that I want to get your take on because I think it's interesting. I was talking on Twitter last night a bit about it, but what is your take on Major League Baseball? has decided to say no to the Rays splitting their season between Montreal and Tampa if and when we get baseball back. Tampa Bay Tribune is reporting this just a couple of minutes ago that no, MLB is saying we're not going to split a season between two cities. I can't believe it got this far that we actually had this conversation of playing in the early and later part of the season in Tampa and play in June, July, and August in Montreal. That would have been a complete disaster, right? Well, they did it during COVID. They made Toronto play all over the place. They played in Buffalo. They played in Florida. They played all over. I mean, it's not like it couldn't be done. I think they're exploring the possibility of bringing Montreal back into the league. Yes. Oh, that's obvious. They've been talking about that for a while, but this is different. This is actually like physically splitting a team and calling them the Montreal Rays for three months out of the year. Nobody and then calling the them games in Tampa anyway. I mean, True. they need to get people in the ballpark. So in the summer, in Tampa, have you been there? It's very hot. Muggy. Not a lot of people go to the games. And it's well, they say drone. that's because of the location. Of it the is. Drop. It's terrible. It's it's not so a great location. It is. It's horrible. Nothing. Yeah. And it's still, despite their success, hasn't been embraced by the city for no. whatever reason. It just hasn't. I'm I'm for it. I think Montreal was such a great franchise back in the day, and they got kind of lost in the shuffle and, and and like, you know, kind of set aside after having such a historic rise. And I mean, that's where Jackie Robinson first played was mm. back in Montreal. I mean, they were the Montreal Royals and then they became the Expos. And I don't know. I mean, I'm on with Gabe and, and Cam and Gabe, Gabe did put pre and post game there. He talks about it all the time. It gets misty. eye talking about it. I think it would be a monster. I think they would pack the ballpark. Yeah. 
and 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 I mean, being in the AL East, it's not that far from New York. It's oh not no, that far from Boston. like it would it's be a much a, better ride than Tampa. I mean, yeah, for flights, it's a much yeah. better location. It's an easier trip. AFC, you know, in the, in the AL East, in the Toronto, New York, Boston, Baltimore, you know, Montreal area. It's better than going to Tampa. That's for right. sure. I think it would be easier on travel. Yeah, um, for everybody. Players, teams, you know, organizations. I don't, I see more positives than negatives, but again, baseball can't get out of its own way sometimes. I mean, they're still not talking and they still haven't come to any sort of even remote sort of agreement on this season that's supposed to start at the end of March. Told you, February 1, that's when the heat gets turned on. There's no heat right now, there's no pressure, there's nothing. But as we get to the final football game and we all start going, huh? So we got one game left. Okay. Um, when those guys who play outside, when are those guys coming back? I'm getting right. these masters. These masters commercials are starting to get kind of prevalent. Where's the, where's the ball and bat guys? Like where? And then it's like, Oh wait, you're not going to play mm. pitchers and catchers supposed to report February 10th ish. That's when I think everything comes cracking down. And I hope you're right. Actually, yeah. That's when people start to actually do stuff. Right now, it's posturing and pandering and BS and nonsense and give me a break. I don't like that offer. Give me a break. I don't like that offer. And then when game checks and reporting dates and we start talking about rescheduling seasons and rescheduling road trips and everything else, then it's like, hey, guys, do you really want to do this after COVID? Like, is it really intelligent in the wake of what we just all went through to actually cancel or postpone or delay a season over money. It's a really bad look for baseball. Are you betting or booking that it starts on, on time? I'm saying it's starting on time with a, with a massive miss on spring training. Opening day happens. Spring training, opening day, opening day happens as scheduled, but but spring training is compromised completely. Okay. Like there'll be four weeks, three weeks shortened of spring training. And we'll rush through the games in the month of March. I mean, all we hear all long, all year is about pitchers and their workload wasn't the same. And that could lead to arm injuries and they got to take longer to build up their stamina. And so there's all sorts of concerns about bullpens and starters and aging starters. Like that's going to be the, in April and May, that will be the prevailing opinion. If, if, start, if a starter gets rocked, if a, like a great starter <laughs> Which will. is getting teed off on, yeah. that will be, that will be the answer. Well, he didn't have spring training. You know, these guys didn't have the workload they normally have. And that's why they're not sharp right now. And we'll be blah, betting blah, every blah. game over. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Although not in, not in the Chicago, New York, Boston, Philly. No, areas. not in the cold ones, but like, yeah, in a, not anywhere there, but- yeah, no, anywhere it's warm. Yeah, warm, yeah. you know, in the Texases and the Floridas and the Californias. Yeah, we're going to be betting betting overs. Right. Okay, L- let's start with this because I want to get your take on this. So last night, LSU and Alabama, technically, according to the stats, LSU covered. Okay, Alabama well, the opened game up fell four. The the game closed four. It fell three. Oh, right? okay. Closed four, game fell three. The Sharps who bet two and a half won their bet last night. Right. Me, who came in on three, pushed my bet. If you waited and got three and a half and four, you won on LSU or you lost on Alabama. Right. 
Don't we need, as we continue and go through this conversation piece about the numbers, teams, ATS, teams as to how they're performing, stats, trends, and information that we use every day to help us you know, find angles, edges, and make wagers. Don't we need a better way of tracking whether a team is winning or losing against the spread? Because I feel like the ATS number is simply the number the public is betting. And it's not the number that the books put up. Like I I compared it to a dull blade. The books put up a dull blade and the books hammer on, sorry, the pros hammer on it to sharpen the blade. And then the blade is then handed to the public and says, hey, what do you want to do with it? Go stick that somewhere. You know, whatever side you want to be on. And so we sit here and we say the books are the books and they're sharp and whatnot. But in reality, it's the professional money and the syndicate players who are coming in and hammering and making that line sharp. And so LSU gets credit for covering a spread that the professionals went ahead and got that number there where it closed at four and it opened at two and a half because the opening number, as we learned, was right. But technically it was wrong because Bama covered. So if you laid two and a half at the open, you won. Three, you pushed. Three and a half, four, you lost. I don't know how to do it. I'm not smart enough to do it. But do we? It's calling a team in eight with an ATS record. Is that the best way of describing what's going on with the team? No, <laughs> nobody does it in the book. That's that's for people that are just looking at this stuff because some people track that from the opening number. Some people track that from the closing number. Some people track that from the consensus number. We, I never looked at that. I mean, it's good food for content and it's good, you know, a tool to use as far as looking at a game. But it, all it does is, you know, compound your argument or give you something to go against. I mean, you have to do the numbers and I think you have to make a personal choice how to track it. And I would say to anyone listening or trying to do it, track it with your number. It's just, it's, that's how it starts. Forget about what it opened. Forget about what it closed. What did you get it at? And what did you bet it at? And, and did it win or lose? That's how you track the team's ATS against, you know, you have to know, I think it's very important to know the opener and the close and to know when it really is a factor. And you'll see it way more in college basketball. Oh, the college basketball numbers as we get better, as we get into February and closer to March. It's going to be even harder to pick games and pick sides, and especially totals, um, because there's people doing it better on the other side of the counter. I used to say that all the time. Guys in a book, man, we're just putting the numbers up and taking the bets. And, you know, we have our starting point. Sometimes the starting point is really good. Sometimes it's really not. Um, but I think that I don't, you can't get everyone to agree on a certain way to do it. You can't get five people to agree on anything in sports. (laughs) But we all agree that that ATS number is the closing number. Why do we all agree that that's the closing, that that number should be what we count ATS by? It was the last number available. That's why. I mean, some sites do it by, by opening number. You know, the track. I've never, I mean, I, I mean, look, you would know more than me, but I, I mean, in terms of the media content space, I've never seen anybody do opening number ATS. It's always yeah. closing number, ATS. Every oh. content creation company, every website, us, props.com, everybody, bet prep, everybody. We all use the closing number as the way to determine whether or not a team 
is ATS. And for football, I totally understand why that would be because football line movement is not as dramatic and it's not as quick basketball, especially NBA or college basketball. They put the lineup. It sits there for a maximum of 48 hours. Like that's as long as that number is going to sit there. Football numbers sit for a week. So you got all this time to look at it and dive into it and watch line movement and watch where it opens. But like last night for Alabama in LSU, Game gets played on a Wednesday night. That number came out on Tuesday afternoon to two and a half. By Tuesday night, it was three. You wake up in the morning, it goes to three and a half. It closes at four. And it was at four at noon, and it didn't move off of four. Pretty much stayed there the entire time. Alabama minus four, which turns out to be a losing number. Bama missed five free throws at the end of that game. They never could not uh, make a foul shot. Could not make a free throw to save their life. That game should never have fallen to a three. Game should have been six, seven. And then LSU starts jacking threes and hitting them. And then they had a three at the buzzer to go to overtime and they missed. I I thought I was dead because I thought Nate Oates was going to foul. I'm like, up right. three, guy's going to foul, two free throws, and I'm dead. And I was just, and I couldn't believe they allowed the shot to go up. I was like, oh my gosh, he let him shoot it. An automatic was, in that spot, you fouled, isn't it? I mean, it's an in automatic. My opinion, in my, if you're just trying to win the game, if, if that's your main motivation and there's 4.5 seconds to play, absolutely oh, you foul. Like, absolutely. It. But I think he was afraid. Here's one retort to it the end of that game was so ragtag, and it Alabama was. made so many mistakes. I really wonder if he felt like if his team would foul and the kid would rise up and shoot and get hit and you could make it and then you lose. So like, I think that was his thought is like, I'm not going to trust my kids to make the right move. I'm not going to lose this game because I tell them to foul and then they don't foul or they foul and it's a shot attempt and the kid gets three free throws plus, or he hits it. Like, I just think it was get out of here. Let's just let him shoot it because let's not have, you know, make them make another mistake. I mean, the point guard for Bama kept on turning the basketball over. It's like, where are you going with the ball, man? Like make them foul you. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a sloppy team right there. I yes, mean, it is. That, Bama that, is sloppy. That's a team that's not going far in the, in the tournament. Like as of right now, there's no way they're very athletic. They, they look like they could beat anybody on any given night. If they're making threes, they're going to light up the scoreboard. Yeah. Well, man, oh man, they had a seven, eight point lead with like two minutes to go. Less Could have easily cruised, you know, and and won that game by double digits and basically, you know, gave it back and, and, and kept LSU in the game. They weren't even doing anything right, except kept getting possession after possession after possession. Foul, miss another free throw, miss another free throw, miss another free throw, hit a three. Now we're down four. Hit a two. It was two and then one and sitting on three at the end. I was sitting there watching it, trying to not be distracted. And I was on the air and I was like, I'll cross Alabama off the list of being a, a sleeper team in the tournament. They're not, they're not going to win. Not in crucial situations. I'll, I'll oh. give you that. Like they, they, but I mean, Shackelford, they've got, I mean, they can clean that up. That's what I said last night or yesterday on the show. I said, look, if Bama hits threes, Bama wins and Bama went off and Bama hit a bunch of threes and that's how they, they built up that big lead. And then they just couldn't hit free throws. That's been a problem for Bama for a long time is missing free throws. And my goodness, like, I'm assuming Nate Oates this morning has those kids up at 7 a.m. shooting free throws. I would. <laughs> Just get up there and start shooting kids because come March, come tournament time, yeah, those are the the little differences right. between winning and losing in, 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 in March is whether you can hit your free throws or not. And they missed five consecutive free throws with under 45 seconds to play. Like, that's inexcusable. So let me Can't ask you this with, with, with this closing number thing. Yeah. Do you pick one book? 
and use that closing number? Because what if the game closed four and a half and three books and four at five other books? And, they use and- the consensus line for that. That's the consensus. Num- the, the, the numbers that you'll see on different tracking websites is what was the consensus number? What was the average? Of eight, of 10, of 12. Probably, yeah, I think all, all the big, probably like- six or seven onshore books. No, people don't look at the offshores. They try to go onshore. So mm, they should probably keep an eye on those. Just saying. They probably should. Absolutely. But I'm just saying like, they, I just feel like as we grow in this industry and we start to have these more in-depth conversations, the number of a team's record against the spread, I, I feel like there needs to be a better way of doing it. Like we, well, on one Kendrick, show it's 12 and five and on another show it's 11 and six because we're right. looking at two different sites. I mean, it's right. not, it's you annoying. have to take all that information with a grain of salt. And I know you in the book, it don't matter. Well, you mentioned Ken Palm, right? So, so yeah. Ken Palm came came along when we started to get into these these uh, strength of schedule and who played who when, and we had what was that? It wasn't war. What was the college basketball term that they the used? Possessions per time or something like? No, it was no. How did the committee? The committee came up with a formula as to how they were going to evaluate a team. Oh, at, I don't at even, large I bids. Listen to that. You listened to that. Yeah, it was it was um our, well first it was RPI and then it was because they, they used it first it was RPI but I can't yeah. remember the second I what, what, what it was called it but turned, I know what you're talking about yeah it yeah. turned from RPI into something else so like collegerpi.com was a, like a bible for me before Ken Palm like you would go to it they'd tell you the RPI because especially right. in the mid major conferences of course you're not getting the attention you have to justify the at large bid so like you know. Barry Hinson's a guy who was the head coach of Missouri State, who was on my show in Omaha numerous times, talked to him about the entire season. And both times, I don't know if you remember the guy who the CBS camera was on him and they are the, they were at the time the highest RPI team ever to be left out of the dance. And Barry was like literally crushed on, on national TV in a puddle going, I can't believe we didn't get picked. They had RPI of 32. And they got passed over by the committee. And so like, that's why everyone on the mid-major side said, wait a minute, is RPI not good enough? It's, it's, it's a flawed system. How do we make it work? And Hinson gave me the best quote I've used for years about what is the magic of the NCAA tournament. And he's always said, we are the magic, the, the little guys. The, you know, Without the smaller school, there is no magic to the NCAA tournament. That's why it gets a billion dollars a year. That's why everybody watches because they want to see nowhere state go up against a Kansas and beat them. And, you know, I was there in Oklahoma city watching Northern Iowa and Ali Farouk Manesh shoot the shot that knocked out Kansas, the number one seed. Oh, that was awesome. You were at that game. Yeah, I was diagonal. I was in a locker room, both pre and post. And, oh. and I, I mean, I remember the, the game before the, the day before at shoot around Kansas was so cocky and their media members were so cocky that Ali Farouk Manesh's name, they had the balls to go ahead and give the name Ali's like um, a roster and they said, can you pronounce this kid's name? And all the kids in Kansas couldn't read his name. And after the game, I was like, you sure as hell know his name now. Don't you say my name? <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I told him, I told Ali that I, I've told Ali that story numerous times. He's, he's an assistant coach now with Colorado state. And you know, I, I've, I've, I've said, you know, he was like, yeah, he's like, they on the, he's like, you should imagine what they were saying. It was on the court. And oh. Ali had the biggest no, 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 yes shot. And I was diagonal from him courtside. And I was like, holy bleep, he's actually shooting that shot. And then he hit it and he knocks out Kansas. 
And like, so the Missouri Valley for me as an A-10 guy, spending as much time as I did covering the Valley with Northern Iowa and Ben Jacobson, right. who was a phenomenal coach. They didn't cover for me last night, lost in overtime against Valpo. Appreciate mm-hmm. that coach. Thank you very much. Uh, but I love that conference. Does he watch the show? I highly doubt it. No, I highly, <laughs> I highly doubt Ben Jacobson watches the show. Um, but I mean, that, that type of basketball, I've always been gravitating towards that type of basketball. So like, I feel like that's when Ken Palm came in and designed this website essentially to help us make sense of the numbers. And I feel like nobody in sports betting has done that yet to make, have us make sense of the numbers really like teamrankings.com is a Bible for me. I use it every single day, every day during the show. I always use it and it uses the consensus number for everybody across all books, but there's not a breakdown of like, Opening number, closing number. How many times has this team covered the closing number versus the opening number? Like somebody needs to break that given, down. You've given away these good ideas. Yesterday you gave away the idea for, <laughs> for, for the app that can alert us when the line's off and we can push notification bet. And now you're trying to make it better for, for tracking purposes, for opening numbers and closing numbers. I just Because I do it every day and it's just, I, I, I just, I, 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 because I'm betting every day right. and I'm going like, why is this not available? Because I feel like I was getting into an argument because somebody was like, LSU now is 13 and four against the spread. I'm like, but they're not, but they're not. They're 13 and four against the closing number. They didn't cover the two and a half. So if you bet that early and the first number comes up, you're like, oh, LSU plus two and a half. You lost. So like when you bet the number and you pushed, they're 13, three and one. They're not, they could be 13, three and one, 13 and four or 12 and five. Who knows? Happens three times, say four times in a year. Those records look different on this site, on that site, on this site. Right. What number do you trust? You don't trust any of them. That's what I always said. I was like, yeah, I got it myself. I know what the closing number was, or I know what I got. That's their record against the spread. Every time I bet, I bet LSU five times this season. I'm three and two using LSU. That's all I needed to know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's, I, I feel like that. It's frustrating, all, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating because it's, I, I feel like we aren't being honest and upfront for the new people who are coming in oh, who are well, trying well. to learn about this. Yeah. And so we are telling them this team is this against the spread and this team is that against the spread. And it's not accurate. Like, like the information that we're using Hell to man. prop ourselves up as being accurate, we're really, they're not there because of closing line value and because of movement and reverse line movements and all the things that we we're now getting into and having like the very nuanced conversations about. But I, I mean, I'm listening to the broadcasters now who are now saying against the spread team is such and such <laughs> against the spread. It's becoming part of the broadcast. And I'm like, yeah, if you're going to bring that up, shouldn't we have a more, in-depth conversation about what exactly was going on with this team against the spread. Cause it's, it's very, what you're doing is trying to sound intelligent, but you're actually like misleading people as to what actually is going on. So it was just look, last night was just that no immediately turn that off. They're right. Like, oh, this yeah. guy's trying to say this. And that's what's for, for the, you know, ones that have been in the world or have a little bit more experience when they hear that they immediately go, Bam, done with this yeah. guy. And they give me somebody else. Oh, yeah. It's been happening for years. In the book, we've been saying it. We've been watching people do it and saying it. And now, granted, people in books and odds makers and professionals and syndicate, they know everything anyway. So you can't convince <laughs> them of anything. But 
for the most part, yes, you're right. There would be, we would be doing it justice and we would be doing good service if we would come up with a more uniform way to do it. Okay. We got a big fight here in Anaheim coming up. Man, I can't wait. So we, so you and I haven't talked much about UFC stuff. No. So how how are you on your UFC stuff? Do you like it? Do you like betting on it? Do you ever watch it? Do you ignore it? Where, where are you on UFC? I, for the longest time, saw it just from a distance in the book. And I saw, I started to see the handle continue to go up and up and up and big events became big boxing events. I mean, they were monsters when there mm -hmm. were three or four really good fights leading up to some or co-main event. I was like, gosh, we got to start paying a little more attention to this, to this UFC. And then when the pandemic hit and it was the only thing for a little while, I got immersed in it and reached out to, you know, leaned on you a lot for stuff and, mm -hmm. um, you know, bagels, Joey Odessa, a couple guys in the, within the industry. I was like, Hey man, you know, if you could help me with numbers or, or, or give me thoughts and stuff. And that's what I do when I don't know. So now when it's on and it's a big event, like we'll have it on at the house on Saturday, you know, we'll, we'll hundred percent be watching it. Now I feel like if I don't watch at least the big events, like I ask you, is this a good card? And you're like, eh, then I'm like, all right, I don't, it's not must watch. But as soon as you start talking about it a couple of days before, I'm like, Hey, there's a big fight Saturday night. We're watching it. You know, I just let everybody know that as it comes on, it's, it, it's gotta be seen. So yeah, I've become a fan. I mean, I've become a fan of, of, of the, the craft. Like mm. I really appreciate what it's done. And I mean, like you're in the gym now a few times a week and in boxing and fighting, I've always loved boxing, huge, huge boxing mm. fan. UFC has turned me. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I've been fortunate over the years, I, I first came across mixed martial arts in the UFC when I was in Omaha and I interviewed Clay Guida, who is a legend and a crazy dude who still fights now, which is insanity because this was back in 2006, I believe was the first time I came across the UFC. And I've kind of just been following it and been a fan of it ever since I became friends with John Anik, who worked in Boston from Boston. I was fortunate enough to meet Megan Olivi and I've stayed, stayed really close and tight with Megan. She comes and speaks to my class every semester at UNLV. Her husband, Joseph Benavidez, obviously had an incredible career, incredible run in the UFC. So I, I mean, I lean on those guys for stuff and other people like Joey Odessa and uh, other, you know, Casey also now and people that I'll knock on doors and be like, Nick Hey, what do you Galicus think? Nick from Circa. Well, yeah, I mean, Nick Lakers is, is, you know, and, and that's where if you guys want a more in-depth talk on what Kalikas is saying, you can go listen to the latest episode of Prop City with Patrick Everson and myself dropped this morning. Every Thursday, he had a long talk with Nick Kalikas about the entire card for UFC right. 270. So that's a full breakdown with Nick. And yeah, I mean, Kalikas is just a phenomenal. He's on the on the line show for UFC on Fight Pass, breaking down breaking down the, the, the card. This fight, the heavyweight fight, and I'm not trying to overlook Moreno and Figueredo. Someone saying there's two big fights, not just one on the chat. I totally get you. Okay. The flyweight championship is absolutely part of it. We'll get into it a bit tomorrow. There's a lot of history there. Moreno winning the first fight. Figueredo looks absolutely shredded and I expect him to weigh in no problem, which has been a big question with him at flyweight getting down to that weight, but he looks incredible working out with Henry Cejudo, new, new, uh, hiring a nutritionist, nutritionist, excuse me, and trying to find a way to avoid the problems on the scales. So that fight, the flyweight fight is going to be a banger. 
But this fight's different because it's a heavyweight fight. And what's so great about mixed martial arts is that the heavyweight division is not the most popular division. In boxing, it is. In boxing, it's the biggest men throwing the biggest bombs. And MMA is not. But I can't wait to see what this looks like. Is this going to be a boxing fight where Ngannou is just teeing off here and throwing bombs the entire time? Or is, and there's a big argument, is it Cyriel, Cyril, Cyriel? I mean, how we say his first name is going to be a big disclaimer. I don't know how to say it. How do you say it? Cyril Ghan is essentially how I think you're supposed to say it. Okay. But Cyriel, someone will say it's Cyriel Ghan. Someone will say it's Cyril Ghan. So Nobody's just, asked this guy how to say his name? John Anik has it. However way John Anik says it on Saturday night, that's it. Because that's Anik, how you say it. Okay. Well, Anik literally in fighter meetings today, every Thursday, he slides his phone across the table and says, tell me how you say your name. Records it. He goes back and practices it over and over and over oh, again okay. before the fight. So he always asks the fighters, not what some PR person says. Right. He tells, how do you say your name? And so that, that's, I always go off what Anik says. But Gon is a guy who's 10-0, 7-0 in the UFC. He's a former Mu- Muay Thai fighter. He was trained in sparring partner of Francis Ngannou. Ngannou was the rocket ship. Gon was the newbie coming in. Now the former trainer for Francis Ngannou in France is now the trainer for Gon for this fight. They hate each other. Huge bad blood between these two guys. This is a personal fight. This is not, a, this is like, Ooh. you know, yeah, th- th- this has a lot of like movie type vibes to it where Nganu was, was a coming up guy. They ended up fighting over money in France. Nganu moves here to Vegas to fight under Extreme Couture, train here, live here. And Serial Gone is the guy train in, 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 in the trading montage, just training, running, doing the Rocky videos in France, the young and up and coming guy. No one sees him coming. Ugano gets the belt, right? And then Gon beats an incredible fighter in Derek Lewis in Houston, comes out to a Houston rap song, a Houston rapper song in his hometown as kind of like a thumb in the eye. And then he gets, he knocks him out in the third round. He's a freak. He's a kickboxer. He's a striker. He can wrestle. He's a newbie though. And if he beats Nganu on Saturday night, and he's a big favorite here to do it, minus, minus 150, 150 now. And, and, yeah. and, and I've seen Nganu fight. I can't believe he's a dog. Because this, the, here's, the, here's the issue. The pros are heavy, are really, really heavy on Gan, And the public is going to be on Nganu. And so as what Nikolakis told Patrick Everson, they opened up a little bit lower because they wanted to see what the market was going to do. Right. They got all the way up to minus 155 before they got any resistance on the other side. Right. I mean, it was all one-way action. All yep. one-way action on wow. uh, on wow. Gone until they finally got people. Because the public's going to come in and hammer in Ganu. This is going to be a big pros versus Joes. And they are concerned how much they're going to need Gone given the knockout power of Ngannou. He's a once punch. Thank you. You know, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am type of deal. And it's scary for the books because of that power. No one knows how this fight's going to go. I don't know how this fight's going to go. I want to see him on the scale before I really make an opinion as to like how big, how much bigger will Ngannou be? Way in on a, Friday, right? Yeah. Gon's a big dude, right? He's, he's a heavyweight, weighs 250 pounds, but Ngannou, I mean, 265 is the max you can weigh for a heavyweight fight in the UFC. And like he may come in at 265, meaning on fight night, he may be like 285. 
He may have like gain 20 pounds overnight. I mean, that's incredible. easy. That's easy. You just, just sponge, suck it down, fill it back up real quick. Yeah. Their bodies are used to it. Well, it's weird for a heavyweights never cut weight, right? Right. But, but I just wonder how do they want to be? Sometimes if weight's a factor, they'll weigh one, they'll weigh 270, they'll cut five pounds and then go right back up and go. And it just, I, Gon's not going to be anywhere near the 265 limit. He's just not that type of big enough guy to be 265. Nganu can be if he wants to be. I remember I was sitting, I was standing behind Nganu at a smoothie place here in Vegas. And I just was like, yeah, so I'm, I'm behind him. And so I'm like, just thinking to myself, I'm like, if this dude turned around and punched me, like he would end me. Over, like, I, like I, my, my life's over. Like he is uh, the largest human, and his hands are so big, <laughs> but he's so nice. Like I, 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 oh. I said, I, I after he got his, hey Francis, how are you? Best of luck in your fight. He was fighting for the interim title, and it's like best of luck in your fight. And it was like two weeks. It's like best of luck. He's like, yeah, thank you, appreciate it. And then as I walked out, he walked out behind me. These three kids were waiting outside for him. Yeah, and I just sat in my car and I kind of watched he took every picture, signed every autograph. Other people popped up. He just stood there. He was, could not have been the, he was humble, nice, respectful, loved the attention, appreciated everybody talking to him because I've seen the other side. Okay. I've seen guys who are not like that. I've seen Conor McGregor in Vegas, blow off people and drive away and like, you know, flip them off. So, you know, I've, I've seen the other side where it's not like that. So I was like, that's really cool to see that, that I, I, I became a big fan of Nganu after that going like, all right, he gets it. He understands what you, this is like. In all your travels with fights and stuff, do you ever see Fury in person? Tyson Fury? Yeah. I've seen Tyson Fury once fight in person, yes. But did you ever were you ever that close to him? You talk about no. gigantic human beings? No, never that close to Tyson Fury. No. But Fury, I, if Ngano I, loses this fight, don't be surprised if Ngano fights Fury. In a boxing match? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would not be surprised that would at all. Be spectacular, actually. Yeah, I would love that. To. I that I that think would is be very such much a sales. I'm not yeah. rooting for anybody, but like, wow. I met Tyson Fury in the Venetian. I was going over to the book to see somebody, and mm. he was there with his wife. And I think he had five kids right there at the time. And when we took a picture, and I've seen Shaq from me to you. You know, and, and Shaq. I have I have shook Shaq's hand. Yes, yes you that. cannot believe how big Shaquille O'Neal is in person. There's just nothing. You can't believe that you're the same. You know, human beings like right. you're the same. How way. are we the same? Yeah, we, we can't have the same mechanisms I'm, I'm, inside. Right. Us. I feel yes. like an ant right now. Right. Compared to yes. you right now. Yes. And when I met Tyson Fury, we shook hands. He put his arm around me, and then we did the boxing pose, putting up our fist. His fist was bigger than my head. Yeah. It's, and that's when you realize like how amazing one these athletes are. But two, how powerful they are. Like you said they could end you. Done. And they get they hit, they to. just get up and then they and they're so nice. They're like big sweethearts. Some of them. Great. Some of them are so nice. Some of them. Those two are. I mean, some Fury is phenomenal. Yeah, some of them are not, but Ngano, I mean, I think it would be a very interesting if that's the direction like his career over or under in a fight. I got to see the weigh-ins. I'm leaning over and gone. That's where I'm leaning. Really? But yeah. I mean, it's Schedule in mixed mark. Always. It's a title fight. It's not going to get there. I mean, it's not, not going to be five. Uh, I mean, what's the- Two what's and the a half. Is two and yeah. a half. But how much is it juiced to the under? Under minus 15, pretty much. 
That's it. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I lean the over and I lean gone. If you like the over, you like zero gone. If it's going to, if, if it's going to be over, it's, if it ends on under and gone, it was winning the fight. Okay. And I mean, serial can go to gone can go to the cards. He could, he could go all five rounds. He's just, he's not, he's kind of like when a, when a center was a point guard and he's got point guard skills and he's playing center kind of like a Dirk Nowitzki type. Like mm. that's what Cyril Gaon is. Like he's, he can do all the things that light heavyweights and even some middleweights can do. Like he's got just incredible athletic ability. He just happens to be in a heavyweight body. Gotcha. And he's got the ability, his Muay Thai, his kicking, his, uh, his elbow knees. Like he's got things that most heavyweights stand and bang. Like most heavyweights aren't going to do the full complement of mixed martial arts. They've got two fists. They hit incredibly hard. They're like right. Derek Lewis. They're just going to punch you. And when they connect, you go to sleep. Right. Boom. Goodbye. That's and Ngannou is, I mean, I haven't seen the jackass movie, but supposedly that they tracked like he's the hardest punching man on the planet, supposedly. And like he punches oh. a dude in the, in the jackass movie. He punches the dude. <laughs> Someone takes a punch from Ngannou and like cracks it. I don't know what the hell he does to him. Probably you know, knocks him 10 feet by, by. but, th- but this dude, if he catches you, it's over. So like, that's the problem for the books that like on paper simulation wise, gone should be the favorite and gone should win. But in boxing or in fighting, one punch can end it with this dude. It's very likely that if, if gone makes a mistake and gives himself and gives Nganu a window, Francis is going to knock him out. Has so, Nganu ever been hit, hit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had hit by 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 Stipe Miocic. Yeah, he's been hit. Yeah. Okay. And Ganu's career has he can has he steadily improved. Of, can he be knocked out? Of course, every human being can be knocked out. Okay, so Gon has the knockout power too. Sure, he's got the kicks and the punch. Yeah, I mean, yes, every heavyweight okay. fighter in the UFC has a chance to knock any any other opponent out. It's just a matter of do you have the chance, the window, and the ability to land it. Does anyone in your house even remotely care about the UFC? As much as you're into it, like oh we, God, no, 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 no. My mom, my daughter will phone? watch it. My daughter will watch it with me. She'll watch oh, it. She will. Okay, yeah, yeah, she'll watch it, and she understands. I mean, she's kind of immune in the beginning. Like blood bothered her. Now she doesn't care. Oh she's yeah, kind of, now, it's kind of just part of it. She's like, okay, yeah. they, yeah, they're bleeding. She likes right. when the she likes when a women when when the women fight. She likes it. She likes she'll loves pay that. This yeah, whole like, house loves that. Yeah, so she watches yeah. when the female female fights happen. She likes that. Right. Um, but no, I mean, it's all kind of background noise, boxing, fighting, basketball, football. It's all violence. It's just, oh, they I, don't I, like any of it. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I, I explained to my and daughter like that vi- stuff. I, I just say violence is violence. And I explained that human beings like violence and that boxing and MMA is just an exaggerated form of violence. Football is violence. Basketball is violence. Hockey is violence. It's just what type of violence are we talking about under the rules? Okay. That's how I explain it. Like, cause she but says, is this, to me, like, like, is this like make food and cook and watch the whole thing at the house with an event? Or are you kind of watching this downstairs in your, I watch it downstairs. It's an event for me. I've got the food and the drinks and the whole thing. I, you know, for me, okay. it's an event. So I watch it downstairs. They'll come downstairs and watch a little bit. My daughter will come in and out. If it's mm. a big fight, if McGregor is fighting, my, my wife will care. Right. She, she likes watching Connor. Fight. The meter. Yeah. So it's any one forty, any real, high profile 
you know, 145, 155, one, you know, I guess sometimes not really 180s, but like anybody in that like middleweight class, she'll pay attention to because she's okay. seen enough of the fights. And Connor's got a huge Boston following. So that's right. why I first saw Connor fight was in Boston when he was first headlined against Max Holloway. Um, oh, okay. You know, 20, 2011 was the time. Yeah. That was, that was the first time I interviewed Connor. Uh, Jeez, that was 10 years ago, man. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was wild. It was really wild. And like standing next to Connor and like realizing that we're the same height. I was like, damn man, yeah. you're thin. This is when he was fighting 145. Yeah. I was like, it's like, that's a, <laughs> you got a lot of weight, man. 145. When Floyd came weight. in, when, 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 when champ came into the book all the time, Floyd's know. little though. Floyd's like he's five. Tiny. He's tiny. He's, like, he's a Smurf. He like, he's tiny. Oh, Smurf. He's tiny. Sure. I mean, Sure. He's a, he's a smart, he's a small dude. I mean, he's, he's a small, well. but he's quick. He's got, he, it's hands, it's speed. It's Pacquiao, Pacquiao's five, six, same thing. Like yeah. they're just little guys, but, but the little guys like, look, Marino and Figueredo, that fight's going to be a five round war. Like, How you much talk about, guys uh, that's flyweight. That's 125. 125. Yeah. I think I weighed that eighth grade. Bantam weight is 135. 125. So. Hmm. Man, that's that's like nothing. Correct, but they're also like five four. They're tiny. <laughs> they're just Ooh. little dudes who have really quick hands and they can Man. move really really fast. Goodness gracious! Yeah, so it's it's it, it, it's where we are. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. We'll make, we'll make picks tomorrow after the weigh-ins. We'll, I'll have a bunch of better to book at picks for Dave on this. All right. So Mel Kuyper's first mock draft came out yesterday. There is not a quarterback being picked in the top ten, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. Why would there be? Does that hold? Does that actually happen in your opinion? Come April here in Vegas, NFL draft that, are, that zero quarterbacks get taken in the top 10. Unless somebody trades up. If somebody trades up to go get them before, you know, 11. Yeah. I mean, when you go through the teams, it really does look like at least the first 10 teams. Why would they take a quarterback? They got a quarterback. So. Right, and you look. Think someone first. trades up. I, yeah. I will be stunned if nobody is in the t- if a quarterback is every quarterback's on the board at pick eleven. I will be stunned. That I'll never be. happens. Yeah, but because I mean, you know what's going to start. We haven't heard the hype machine yet. Wait till the Kenny Pickett hype machine gets going. Wait till people start comparing him to. Hey, man, I see him as a poor man's pick. Your starting quarterback. You know, he's right. a poor man, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson, you know, Carson, Carson Strong, or, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is a poor man, Russell Wilson. Like you'll start to get the comparisons and fan bases will start to get enamored and they'll start to get interested. I cannot, if this happens, it would be crazy if there's not a quarterback taken in the top 10. I won't be surprised at all. I really won't. Okay. I just, I mean, you're right. The hype's going to start and. I'm starting to even get the chills or the shakes thinking about having to book the draft stuff because that was the worst part of <laughs> one of the worst things that we had to do in the book was book the draft stuff because it was all based on information. Everybody's lying. Everybody's putting this guy up so they can really take this guy. Everybody's talking about this trade that ain't really happening because they're making a move this way. Somebody's trading down because they know they can get this guy. Other people are it's it's the worst. I, I didn't Smoke like Smoke and it. mirrors everywhere. Oh, it's nonstop. So um I was it's good to see Mel back. I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's been doing it forever, who's made a life out of the draft. It's awesome. 
I enjoy Mel, what he does. And um, do you watch the combine? Of course. You watch it? Yeah. It's on the background. It'll, it'll be on during the show. Once it starts, I'll watch every one I'm on the show with you. Absolutely. I'll watch it. hundred percent. I like watching the quarterbacks throw. I like watching the wide receivers catch. And then I like to see kind of the big fat man run around and be athletic. Cause some of the guys are stupid athletic at the side, at the, at the weight that they are six foot five, three sixty, and doing things like running five, you know, five flat forties. It's like, Oh my God. Gosh, in, in a t-shirt and shorts in a controlled environment it makes perfect sense as to how you can draft somebody that well no it's, it's about your athletic never ability do in a game. Yeah, but, right fine but it's your athletic ability it's it's just how good of an athlete are you like what is your athletic what's your baseline where are we starting it translates man it for for linemen it translates quarterback stuff fine you can say you're only going to hurt yourself versus your game film i understand why quarterbacks don't throw Running backs, running your 40 time, that matters to me. Okay, how fast are you? How good of an athlete are you? Your vertical leap matters to me. I want to know what your vert is. Receiver, wide out, DB. I care about that. I mean, that stuff matters. It, it, it just, it's a fact. Speed kills in the NFL. Have you ever Both heard of Mike Mamula? Of course. Mike Mamula. He was a workout fiend. He, of course, and some he, guys don't translate. The film matters. I'm not saying the film doesn't matter. Don't hear me, don't hear me wrong here. The right. film matters, okay? And some dudes on film are incredible, and with their shirt off, they're Tom Brady. I, I, I understand that point. I, I, I totally do. But historically speaking, when you're trying to get a baseline for certain positions, if I have a six foot six, 375-pound offensive tackle who runs a five-flat 40, that's insane. Like that's the level of athlete this guy is at. Right. So I do care about that type I, of stuff. I do want to see how fast they are. I think it can improve. It's good for the kids because, you know, a kid that doesn't have much on tape or doesn't didn't show much on tape can go there and elevate his draft status. Um, I don't really think it could hurt too much. I mean, unless you go and compare. It hurts the quarterbacks. If the quarterbacks are yeah. throwing, if, if the arm strength's not there, right. and the quarterback, if it's bad, then it can definitely hurt the quarterbacks. Oh. But it only, but it's there to improve your your draft stock. If you're a smaller college kid, and you haven't been seen or picked up upon, absolutely, right. I, I I completely and totally see um, how that goes. I, I we'll watch that. We'll bet on it. Obviously, we'll have tons of bets coming here in Vegas for. And I, I don't know what we're what we're doing. I imagine we're going to be doing something with props for. I mean, we got a little Super Bowl party announcement coming up later on, and probably oh, a draft party announcement coming on. Oh and, my goodness. Right. Oh yeah, we'll 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 be having some fun. Yeah. All right, we're not doing better to book it, but I just want to. I'm wearing the Titans hat today, so I kind of just want to get your take on this. So, is this the first since, time you ever wore the Titans hat? Maybe, possibly. Okay. Because yesterday you, you broke ground with the Kansas City hat. Had some people. I like the Titans though. I I I'm I'm a fan. I, I wear this hat out. I like the Titans. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I covered the Titans. I like the Titans. Mike Keith is a friend. Voice of the Titans. Oh, I like sure. it. I like the Titans a lot. Uh, and I have that plus 500 ticket on them to win the AFC on top of that. Right. So, so I'm, I, I like the Titans a lot. W what do you make of if the Bengals get some positive news? They've got an, an offensive lineman who's banged up. They got some good news on their defensive line this morning on, on local radio. Zach Taylor said it looks like they're going to be near healthy on their defense. Does this number go down? Is it going to stuck stay at three or could we see the public drive it to three or pros drive it to three? Uh, 
it's almost like a game of chicken, right? Yeah, because I hate don't... three and a half. I want three. <laughs> Get me off this three and a half nonsense. Yeah. Um, they already took the bet on three, and they already know they can go there anytime and get it. Mm-hmm. So going to sit and wait as long as possible to go back to three. We'll just sit three and a half and let them bet. It. I think – I don't know if any real information is enough to – I mean, at this point, it's not enough for any book to go, all oh, oh, since these guys are healthy, let's go back to three and see what happens and maybe take another bet. Nobody's moving it on information at this point. It's sitting at three and a half until bag comes in. Um, Thomas probably, wants to know, would, would you lay minus 135 juice to get the three? Oh, man, that's so hard. I I, I wait. I mean, I, me, wait. I, just, I just wait. And then if I have to, I have to. Right. It's not the worst thing in the world, but they charge so much now to get to the three. I mean, it's a premium. It's a, It's the premium number. So... When it's three and a half minus one ten, they charge twenty five cents, and that's standard. I mean, it's you, if you find a book that doesn't, you're getting a bargain. You might get minus three, minus one thirty, but some go up, some charge you more. At that point, at that point, you might as well lay the money line. It's a little more juice, but now you got one, two, and three in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about it, and they just need to win the game, and you can kind of. Work off of that as far as you know, money line and stuff. So buying on the three, I, I, I mean, I get it, and I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. Personally, I never, I never liked doing it. I was just living with the fact that I'm laying three and a half. If it falls three, you got me. But I'd rather not pay extra to push. You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather buy off the three if it was three and go up to three and a half and pay the premium. Or go down to two and a half and pay the premium, then buy on to the three. Yeah, because you're essentially it's almost like buying insurance. You're insuring a push versus insuring a win. Right. If it falls three, I yeah. I, I I see that. I I hear that. That makes a that makes a lot of sense. It's you know, winning at minus one sixty five is still winning versus losing at your full one unit. So yeah. you don't win as you don't win as much, but you win versus losing. So we're pushing. On top yeah. of that, so so it, it is a profit. It's interesting. What what do you make of this? If Garoppolo is fine, is there a move coming on San Fran late? Are you hearing rumblings that the yeah. pros are just laying and wait, and the, and and they're going to come in heavy on San Fran? Doesn't it feel like this number is going down before kick? Hell yeah! Oh no doubt, no doubt. They they pushed it up based on oh you know he might not play, and now I mean a Westgate here in town is already five. Um, and win bet is six right now. So I think you have disputing opinions and mm-hmm. I think you have, um, you know, movers, syndicates, pros, whatever you want to call them, bad guys on both sides of this. And I think they're waiting for confirmation, which will we get tomorrow? I mean, he's going to play. Uh, Shanahan's going to wait as long as possible to say it, but injury reports, you know, mm-hmm. have to be officially put out. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be probable or questionable. If he's probable, line comes down immediately. If he's questionable, sits and waits. And then when we get to the game Saturday night and he's out there warming up and and the, and the broadcast starts, boom, the San Francisco bet comes. 100%. Would you would you take plus six right now and then just no. wait and then bet the other side? Um, trying to see if you can get a five middle. Five is a terrible number to even try. It is. It's terrible. Yeah. 
Um, you think you're good on a, could it close at four? Uh, could it close at four? If it closes, if it falls four, four and push and, if you push and you win one, you win one and push one. I don't think it goes below four and a half. Okay. I don't think they want to open that door to the four. I would resist doing that if I was in the book as long as possible. I want to give you a shot of two numbers where, you know, plus six, we get sided, plus, minus four, we get sided. Like, I, I would rather not do that. That's why those half points exist. Some, some bookmaker, I believe it was from Pittsburgh, you know, started the point spread and just started using half points back in the day mm-hmm. because it was tired of the pushes. And that's with only this many games left. We're not going to give you another number. I don't think it goes to four. How many? This is like the money line parlay week. Oh, everyone. I've seen so many people posting tickets already of like four team money line parlays. You know, I, I saw one bet that people put up that if you bet a hundred, I forget the, the order or the connecting, but it's like a hundred dollars to win 3000. You can come up with if you're taking like all, if you take all the dogs to win on, on the money line. And the dogs, by the way, if you believe, I don't always, like we say, we don't always believe these books numbers right now. But if you go and look at some of the reporting numbers from the books, the dogs right now are receiving the majority of the money line action all due to these parlays. Everyone is correlating the dogs together and just saying, all right, we're going to go and roll Cincinnati. We're going you know, green. We're going San Francisco. We're going the Buffalo Bills and we're going the Rams. And that four, I think that's it. I think that's for a hundred dollars. That four leg money line parlay pays you three thousand. Hmm. Thirty to one for fourteen parlay. It's probably close. I mean, I, I we can just pull up a parlay calculator and figure it out right now. But I thought it would be a little bit higher, to be honest, with the San Francisco one thrown in there. But the Buffalo one offsets that, so it's probably mm-hmm. right. Um. That's crazy. Hundred bucks returns three thousand. That's not. I mean, would you? If that happened, how shocked would you be? If the Bengals won, the Bills won. No way. I don't know. It's not that nuts. All four dogs are not winning. I don't think all four, but like three of the four. Oh, it could go three one either way. I mean, you know, the likelihood of two and two is the the biggest probability. If I was making lines. It, it splits 2-2 two, two is the favorite. I think 3-1 favorites, just winning, is the mm-hmm. next choice. And then 3-1 dogs would be the third choice. 4-0 and o favorites, and then a long distance away is 4-0 and o dogs. Yeah, that's why the books, I mean, that's, there you go, 30 to 1. <laughs> There's the long, the, the odds are put I give up you on 50 that. if you want to play it. Interesting. All right. <laughs> 50 to one. All right. Uh, oh, here's, I forgot to ask this question and someone just, Thomas just brought this up and I actually want you to explain this. Yes. So somebody yesterday on Twitter asked me to ask you if you could explain or recommend, is it better to do parlays or round robins? Which one in your opinion is the better bet? They both stink, but which one's the better bet? Well, the round robins are parlays. They're just involving every combination. Correct. But it's also more expensive. I mean, it's. Well, it can be. You can lower the unit. You can. So you can make it cost the same. Um, So I've seen I've seen guys do this. I mean, I've seen very sharp guys 
do money line round robin parlays because all four dogs aren't going to win. But if three do, and you do round robins by twos, threes, and fours, you get every combination of Bengals, Niners, Rams, Bills on the money line. If two of them hit, you break even. If three of them hit, you win money. If four of them hit, you make a score. Um, but you run the risk of, like you said, spending more, you know, extending your units, so to say. If you do parlays long enough, you get frustrated going three out of four or two out of three or four out of five. Whatever your number is that you do, nobody's figured it out yet. I mean, three-game parlays, I used to tell people all the time in the book, don't do more than three. I mean, unless you're doing it for fun, you know, because, I mean, everybody likes to take a parlay card and take a shot with eight so you have action all the time. I'd hit one of those a year, you know, and and talk about that one, but not about the other 15 weeks that I didn't, you know, something like that. Um, some years you didn't hit any, but people keep doing them because of those risk a little, win a lot. Rob Robbins, um, if you're serious and you want, like, you have four games or three games, because if you do a three-game Rob Robin with every combination, the twos and the threes, it's four bets, A, B, A, C, B, C, and A, B, C. Those are the, the four combinations. So you have four bets. If you hit all the games, it's a big score. If you hit two, you pretty much break even. You know, if you do $5 parlays, a ticket costs 20 bucks. If you do a, a three-game parlay for 20 and you go two out of three, you get zero. Mm-hmm. If you do two out of three in a round robin, let alone plus money, so on money lines and stuff, you actually come out ahead. You're going to get your money back. So I think you need to experiment, Thomas. I think you need to really look at it and weigh the wit- the risk versus the return. I think it's okay to try. Uh, And and I tell people all the time, if you're going to consistently do it, you're more invested in the round robins. The parlays is all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Round robins, you can have a longer shelf life, I think, because you can go two out of three, you break even, you spend again, you you know, it's the offers that, that, that bury you when you get over. Right. Okay. Debuting a brand new segment, Dave. You actually don't even know about this. I have no idea. This is a brand new segment on the Bostonian versus the book. So our sister site is betprep.com. Yes. Betprep has a podcast that is called Given Props. Brad Feinberg is one of the guys who are the hosts. So I was talking to Brad today, and we're going to start to roll this out on a variety of different props.com platforms as we go, but our show is going to be the first ones to do it. We are going to give you guys a bet prep podcast, given props, prop of the day. Brad's going to give me a prop that he likes. You and I can say whether we like it or not. We can better to book it off of Brad's picks versus my picks to you. Okay? Okay. Brad's pick today on the first ever given props from betprep.com, his prop of the day is Steph Curry over three and a half made threes at minus 165. Has he been watching Steph? Hasn't he's been watching Steph? He loves this bet. And I was like, this is perfect because we've been talking about this bet for weeks on the show. And the day we unveil this, he just happens to roll this out. This is totally coincidence. He did not pick the Steph Curry prop because we've been talking about this all along. But this is his favorite prop bet of the day today on the board. From Given Props, this is Brad Feinberg's bet. 
we betting or booking Steph Curry over three and a half threes tonight against? Is he laying one sixty five? Does that say? Yes, minus one sixty five. Yes, to the over. I'll book it. That's you think Steph hits three threes tonight? Yeah, <sighs> I just like the price. I mean, it's going to fall three or four, right? Or is it is this tonight he gets eight? I don't know if he gets eight, but I think he's even on dates he gets yanked. The line's twelve, right? So the Warriors are heavily favored. So even if he gets yanked like he did last game, he still hit four threes, right? He hit four threes in the first half, and then he didn't hit any in the second half. But he had four threes in the first half. I wonder what Brad would say if it was four and a half. He wouldn't bet it. It's because he'd watch it. I mean, he think wouldn't this is bet under. He wouldn't. I think. I mean, maybe maybe he bet under, but I don't think he bet over. Right. The yeah. number is four. They, they, that's, the books have finally come all the way down. We've been watching this at five and a half, four and a half, four and a half for weeks. Now, three and a half is the first time the books have gone to three and a half because of Curry's shooting slump. It's coming. There's no doubt. There's, I mean, and I mean, I, I think it's um, it's definitely favored over. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making you pay 165. One six expensive. That's I mean that's steep for a prop. But Brad is known. If you listen to the Given Props pod, podcast, Brad is known for laying heavy juice. He doesn't care. Brad's that's whole fine. Opinion, that's that's yeah, I Brad's, respect that even more because that yeah, means his opinion. His opinion is: Look, if I like the bet, I don't care what price it is. I'm betting it because I'm. I feel I feel my numbers are better than their numbers. Whatever they're going to charge me for it, that's fine. I'm winning. It's all that matters is I win. That's 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 what professional guys do. I mean that you know. The number is more important than the price of the juice. Seen it for years. Guys come in and lay the safety. No, in the Super Bowl, they lay fourteen hundred. They lay eighteen hundred to win a dollar. I mean, it's just holding the money. That's all I used to say. It's just we're just holding. You guys are just holding my money. Um, makes perfect sense. But you know, I can't just roll over on the first first time you run bail this and say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to bet it. I'm going to book it. We're going to take a chance." I will bet this. I yeah. like this. I, I'll lay the juice on this. I do think Curry, it's four threes tonight. I like this bet a lot. This is the, this is, I know this is the go off game, but this is the five, three game. I think he gets five threes tonight. So I, I actually would consider laddering this. If your book lets you ladder it, I think betting over three, three and a half, four, four and a half, five. Ooh. I would ladder. I, I would ladder this game tonight is how I would bet it. Ah, well, you could come out with a plus there. That's if you do that. You lay over three. Some books let you parlay that. Most books don't. Most books will make you do individual. Right. But like BetMGM, you can bet individual. You can go through his all of his props as to how he wants to bet. You can bet that there. And other books will let you do it too as well. But that's where I would do. I would start with three. It's going to be like minus 400 or minus, you know, it's going to be something stupid. It's almost twice that, minus 350 or minus 325. Okay. Yeah. So three is going to be 300. Right. Three and a half is minus 165. Right. Four, four might be even money. I was going to four say minus one twenty or minus one fifteen. Yeah. Okay, and four and a half is going to be what? Plus plus one thirty. No, plus one thirty wow, that or one fifty. That's all. Yeah. That low? Well, yeah. You can't give it away too much. I mean, they keep betting it over. That seems that seems really low. No. Yeah. I mean, yes. Let me see if the if I can pull. I mean, it you might get one fifty, one sixty, plus. Probably opposite of three and a half. Yeah, it's probably 160 without looking. Let's see. Um, 
if we can do this fast for, for Curry made threes, uh, three pointers. So Curry's at three and a half minus one sixty right now. We're at, at BetMGM. Okay. So it's a little cheaper at BetMGM if you want if you want to bet it there. But right. um they have so look over. Half? No, they don't have four and a half. They, they aren't putting it up yet. So no. maybe you get closer to games, you might be able to get onto it. But that's how I would look potentially if you have the chance to do it. If your book allows you to do that, right. I think Curry gets a lot tonight. All okay. right. So Dave is booking the first ever given props prop of the day. I'll bet it. I like step okay. over three and a half threes tonight on that. All right. All right. Short, smaller, better, or book it. Three bets for you to run by you here. All right. Let's go. Suns and the Mavericks game of the night in the NBA. Yes. Numbers climbing. I got two yes. and a half last night with yes. the Phoenix Suns yes. on the road at the Dallas Mavericks. Some books opened at two. I didn't get that. I was kind of bummed. I wanted two, but I got two and a half here. Mavericks are red hot. Suns are red hot. They both have been covering consistently. This is an awesome, awesome game. I'm going to take what I think is the better team here in the Suns. Oh, the Mavericks are really, really good. Road favorite, taking the Mavericks below three here. At three is my ceiling. If it crosses three, I don't want any part of it. I want a one-possession game. Betting or booking Suns minus two and a half. Betting it. We had the Suns minus three and a half at San Antonio on Monday. Um, That line was wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They won by a lot, and they were down at halftime. It's perfect. Um, Dare dare I say the Suns are the best team in basketball? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think they are. Mavericks are off a back-to-back. Right. That's my that's one of my big keys. They they won by four last night as four point home favorites against the Raptors. And they won and they did they push. And an ugly, like I mean, Luca was amazing, but like the total in that game was 207 and a half and went under. Mm. So contrast in styles, the total's 216 and a half. Dallas is on a back to back. And the number's only two and a half. It might be a trap, yeah, but I'm betting. More now. Yeah, it's more now. It's, it's painted two and a half right now. Oh, it is two. Okay, it's three. It was three when I saw it this morning. It came back down. I have three. My boys okay. are win bet. That's have it at three? They're at three. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. So I like two and I, I like two and a half. I like over. I think the Suns win the game by one possession. I think it could be tight. I don't think it's a walk. Oh, it's no. It's tight. Yeah, it's a hell of a game. This is going to be a fun game to watch. I'm, I'm really psyched to watch this game. I, I, I like the Suns tonight, minus two and a half. Uh, one hockey bet. The Boston Bruins, first period. I've been eyeballing this. I've been watching this and tracking this, and I haven't bet this. I also like goal in the first 10 minutes of this game. Okay. The, these, I, I actually like the over in this game, too. Okay. Bruins and the Capitals played a couple of days ago. 4-3, crazy. Four goals got scored in the first period. It was a 2-2 game after one. Yes. Bruins have got goaltending problems. Yes, they Capitals, do. not great either, to be quite honest. Okay. Bruins, in their last game two days ago against the Carolina Hurricanes, gave up five goals in the first period. Yes, they did. Five in the first period. Yes, they did. I get minus 120 on over one and a half goals for the Bruins and the Capitals. This seems like a layup to me. Betting or booking over one and a half goals, Bruins Capitals tonight, first period. You say it's a layup and it's that easy. I get nervous. And of I'm, course, everyone gets said, but I, I don't, it's more the juice than the bet. Why isn't this juice to 135? Like most, like most overs, most games that are six or six and a half from a total perspective, the first period over one and a half is minus 135. It's minus 120 last night. 
It's like, why is this, why is this minus 120? Like, this is, they feel like the Bruins are going to come back because they gave up five goals in the first period and suddenly have like a, you know, a defensive master game in the first period because of how bad they were against the, against the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know. They could explode and they score two goals and they go up to nothing. I, I, I don't need Bruins to be scored upon. I just need two goals in total. Yeah, you're, you're, you're actually, your, your argument is very right. It's not right. It's very right. We're betting this. This should be minus. This is just mispriced. Is right? Somebody, yeah, this is, this should be. I mean, I looked at a couple of books just now. It's minus a quarter, minus 30, minus 35 in a couple of places. Like you got a really good number. Um, definitely don't want under. It's either, you know, it has to be betted. Yeah, definitely. Good call. Yeah, I think goal in the first 10 minutes too. I, I think you'll see a goal in, the, price in that on game. We're getting a plus? Uh, I didn't look. I just, it wasn't out last night in Vegas. So yeah, I they, don't, to, they, don't, they don't put it out till morning of usually. Yeah, so I, I didn't see it. Like that, but I do like a goal in the first 10 minutes. I also like a goal in the first two minutes tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights. If you want to go on that on, on that bet as well. Uh, Vegas. Oh, is yeah, against Montreal? Yep, and I, I like the over against Montreal too, in that game. What's that total? Six, six yeah. over juice to minus one twenty, but that's okay. Vegas is minus two and a half on the puck line. Just to give people an idea <laughs> as to what they think is going to happen tonight here in Vegas. So yeah, the they, lines they, on Montreal and Arizona are unbelievable this year. We're seeing, and and, and then even Buffalo, but Buffalo's competing. Mm. Montreal's just overmatched. No goaltending at all. Um, same with Arizona, just, just the lines. I can't believe, I mean, Vegas had to lay off and then, it, you know, the, the, they come back and lose the game to the Penguins after being up three, nothing, they're minus $3, minus three ten. game may close minus $4 against Montreal totals. Only six probably should be six and a half. I would agree. I like the over. Goal in the first 10 for this game and for Vegas and Montreal. And one college game, Purdue at Indiana. The total is 140 in this game. Okay. You've got a 11 and 6 to the over for Purdue, 7 and 10 Indiana. But last three games have all gone over against Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. Last three games for Indiana have gone over. Last five have gone over for Purdue. And most of these numbers were at 138, 139 and a half, 148, 154, 147. And tonight we've got 140 for Purdue on the road at Indiana. I don't think Indiana can or will want to play slow because of the bigs that Purdue has. You want to run them up and down and get those big guys tired. Going over 140, Purdue at Indiana. Betting or booking it. Oh, we'll book this one. You know, I like needing the unders. So mm-hmm. we'll book this one and figure Indiana to dictate the pace of play more than Purdue, I would think. But then that's good. No, Indiana wants to run. Purdue wants to play more slow and slow it down. So I think I agree with you. I think Indiana is going to want to dictate tempo. That's run. <laughs> that's go up and down the court, up and down the court Purdue, as much as possible. That's their path to victory. I don't think you can play slow. I think if you, if you play slow, those bigs are going to kill Indiana. I mean, just kill them. <laughs> like they, they won't get a rebound. They won't do. I mean, you're going to have to ride the home crowd. That's why I think the Indiana's path to victory is actually to outscore them and run. Well, all right. I'll, I'll book it. I think the game's going to go under. Just looking at mm-hmm. it. I mean, I got to, I mean, I'm starting to really watch the college basketball. 
uh, a lot more now. I mean, I really watched that Alabama LSU game yesterday. Like I was just watching it in the risk room. Oh, I uh, kept an eye on that Creighton game yesterday. That one. How uh, about that? I picked the wrong darn game to bet, I man. Just, I, I told you bet it or book it. I gave you bet it on Creighton minus the. But how about, so what's the Iowa point? Do you believe the. the what the hell happened uh, to Iowa and Rutgers yesterday? Do you see that first half? 54. No. Total was 71. It's 54. 54 was the first half. And Iowa lost outright to Rutgers last night. It's a hard place to play. Always Still, like Rutgers was 10 and 5 to the first half over. I mean, it went nearly 20 points under in the first half. Rock fight. But meanwhile, the Creighton game, did it land right on the number? Oh, no, it blew over by like, it went over by like 15 points. I thought the, I thought the total was 151. Oh, the game, you meant. I was talking about the first half. No, I think no, the no, game no. did. Yeah, the game did land right. Yes. Right on it, right on that number, yeah. right a half point off. Yeah. But the first half total was way wrong. <laughs> The Big East is, 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 is interesting. We've been talking a lot about the Big 12, and I was looking at the games last night, and like Villanova lost. Yep. Hurt um, me. That stunk. Because you got that future. I got a big bet on them to win, these, to win the, 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 the Big East regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was – it's you know, when I was really watching the highlights and looking through the box scores and stuff, I was like, wow, this Big East could get interesting. I mean, it feels yes. like teams go on the road. It's really hard to win in some of these buildings. It's 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 going to get very interesting. Our friend Jeff Dawson has a question for you before we get to the best thing about today. Uh, Jeff Dawson is hearing that they're scheduling 152 games in baseball. They're getting ready to plan to play that. Really? Wouldn't that suck? That'd be awful. Oh, man. So, I mean, I, I Maddie just put up season win totals for – baseball at win bet they're up right the stipulation is they must play 160 you got to take all those down everything got to be changed all this stuff you're gonna have to redo all the numbers if they play 152 when are they gonna tell us that's 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 annoying like if that's gonna be you'll be able to i think you'll be able to know if they aren't playing spring training games by february 25th we're gonna we're gonna know like they changed they, the playoffs midstream the last true. year in the book. They said, oh, we're going to add a couple teams. What? We're taking bets for a year on World Series, divisions, all this other stuff. And right. you're adding teams? Like, they're going to tell us two weeks before the season, eh, you know what, we're not playing 162, we're playing 152. You should probably play 152 anyway. That wouldn't be a bad move because – they shorten the season. You, you you can start the postseason a little earlier. The, the sooner they can start the postseason and end it, the more attention they can have before the football the really gets going. And the weather, too. Yeah. Who wants to play Maybe. baseball in the cold, let alone go watch it in the cold? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. Can I go first? Yeah. yeah. Go can I go first here? Absolutely. So this was wild. I can't find the tweet. And I'm annoyed because I can't find the actual language of this tweet, but I know it exists because I read it and it was really cool. So somebody wrote us a note that stated they took this idea about the favorite thing about today, took it to his elementary school. And now every day his class does, they go around the room and they ask every kid in the class, what's your favorite thing about today? That's fantastic. Isn't that phenomenal? I got that. I got that this morning. Did that? 
a teacher who listens to this show, a teacher who watches us. You don't know the like, person's name. We got to give I'll, them a shout out on the show. I'll find the per- I'm sorry. It's buried in it. You know how that gets gets when the oh, show starts. It's like a thousand oh, yeah. tweets. This is like a I whole tweet you storm. That, You've got 16 screens up and all this. Yeah, I can't crap. find the I can't find the note. And I don't know if it was to my account or to the Boston versus the book account. But this is from a listener who said, hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that. Oh, wait, here it's, it's a DM. Here it is. Oh, this is from a guy, uh, Captain versus Pavs. Caps, Captain V okay. Pavs is, is, is his, his handle is at Captain V P A V S. He said, Guys, I've taught different grades and students. I enjoy all your icebreakers. We now do something each day in our morning meetings. Each time at the end of the day, we go fast and furious with my second grade class. We now do what's the best part of the day to close out the day. The kids love it. They ne- you never know where you can get a great idea when you're listening to shows. That's fantastic. Isn't that awesome? And it's just I, like made me so excited when I read that this morning. I was like, that is the coolest thing that they took this, they took this idea of positivity to end the show with something positive and then go ahead and bring it over to elementary school kids. And now the, the kids are liking it. I love it. I, th- I It's funny because I've been doing that with the little one, like mm. because I was walking her to school every morning and then bringing her home every day. Mm. Kindergarten, we did that every single day, one eighty every day, and we would do that. What'd you learn today? What What was your favorite thing about today? And by the time we got home, it was just the right frame of mind for her, and we had something to talk about for the rest of the day. And then when Mama would come home, we would tell her, and it was just a, a point of car. Anything you can do to get the kids talking, I'm for. I love it. I'm into that. So that's that's my favorite thing about today. Well, that's good because mine kind of plays off of that in a tweet that we got for the show. Some guy named Props Doctor, Props DR, okay, sent us a tweet yesterday that he sets a daily alarm, a picture of his alarms, and it says at 12.55, wherever he's at Eastern, actually he's in Toronto. Because he's a right. Leafs fan, and he commented on the Leafs blowing a three-one lead last night to the Rangers, and how ridiculous it is for the Maple Leafs to to, to just continually every year just be. The coach called him soft last night in the postgame. They keep blowing leads; it's unreal. But he put a picture of his alarms, and at twelve fifty-five every day, it says BVB, and. It's a reminder to him that, hey, I got to go listen to the show. I got to go watch the show on the YouTube channel. So I'm like, man, I sent it to you right away. I was, you know, and I commented back to him. Thank you again for for telling us. And and, and again, this is how the interaction I love. I, I, mm-hmm. I love the interaction period every day. But the stuff we're doing on the show, people are setting an alarm. My own cool. wife in here won't even watch the damn show. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> and it, some guy and I in, in Toronto that I never met is setting an alarm. You know, I texted her that too. I said, look at this. Maybe yep. you should set an alarm once in a while. <laughs> oh my God. What was the response to that? <laughs> she's going to fly a kite. <laughs> no, she's like, yeah, get some more listeners and maybe I will. You know, oh, wow. Angling that carrot, man. It's hard. It's hard she work. Wants, she has a bar. She only she, she, She's a fair weather supporter, huh? Only wants to support Ooh. us when we're, when we're big time, huh? Oh, she'll be all first right. in line to say, you know, someday, man, I knew you guys were going to be good all along. Uh, I knew, all right. 
right. I see that. Okay. You want to be on the right. You want to be that third base coach. We're rounding third. Okay. I see. Right. Hey, yeah. Flipping us the the candy when you hit the home run. Hey, I do it all along. Yeah. Where's the first base coach. Come on now. We want first base coaches. We want that. Like, come on now. We, we, we saw you coming type of thing. <laughs> Subscribe to the Bostonian versus the book, wherever you guys get your audio podcast, set the alarm on your phone, like prop doctor did to go ahead and know when we go live one o'clock Eastern on the props, YouTube channel, hit subscribe to the props. If you're watching now hit subscribe. So you guys know, I'm telling you, we've got so much crap coming, so many videos, so many cool things. We've got shows starting props. Arizona starts next Thursday with Doug Franz and Papa bear. I can't wait for those guys to get rolling every week for their weekly podcasts. I mean, the stuff we're doing behind the scenes is going to be really cool. You're going to want to be subscribing to the Props YouTube channel. We have really a lot of fun stuff coming down the pike. He's Dave. I'm Matt. We're back tomorrow for the Friday edition. Picks and plays on that big football weekend tomorrow for the Bostonian versus the book.